Hello, beautiful people. I hope that you're all having a wonderful day filled with laughter, curiosity, and squirrels. Squirrels. I like squirrels. I spend time with squirrels every morning when I drink uh, my morning beverage. I watch them frolic in my tree. Uh, are they frolicking? Are they trying to rape each other? Who knows? Who's to say? But shout out to all you squirrels out there. And shout out to everyone that came to the Over the Hill Gang Saloon this last Friday. Fuck yeah. It was the best. I shouted out a few days prior that uh, I was going to do a comedy show at the Over the Hill Gang Saloon. Uh, I hosted it. I brought in comedians from Santa Cruz and all over the Bay Area. And uh, a bunch of you guys showed up. So to Willie and Jen and Christian and Kevin and Andrea, uh, I, those are the the those of you that I got to spend time with at the bar. Um, fuck yeah, high five! Thanks for showing up. Um, big uh, big surprise. You're all awesome people. Uh, we're going to be doing this comedy show the last Friday of every month at the Over the Hill Gang Saloon in Santa Cruz, and I would love to meet more of you. The saloon is an old, old old, old Western bar that's been around town for a long time, and we're trying to inject some new positive energy into it. So last Friday of every month, would love to meet more of you guys in person. Another piece of news uh, that is very heartwarming is uh, a bunch of you guys donated to send Ahmed on his first trip abroad. For those of you who haven't checked it out, um, I did a, a Radio Lab style podcast called Check with Kyle, where I did a narrative story uh, uh, about my trip to Morocco. And during the at the end of the show, I did a call out to send this historian named Ahmed on his first trip abroad. He'd never been out outside of Morocco, and people donated miles on their credit cards, and they sent in um, donations on uh, Venmo, and it was it's just very cool to see this community show up. Um, so we're going to do that. I let Ahmed know, and uh, he was excited and grateful to all of you. Unfortunately, he had a family member pass away recently, so that project is going to be on a standstill for a while. Um, but I just wanted to let you know that we did um, make that happen, um, and that just uh, makes this whole podcast so worth it. Um, you know, it's a lot of work to do this show every single week, but when I have hits of love like that, um, it makes every minute worth it. So thank you to all of you. And thanks to everyone who donates on Patreon. Uh, I think that it was Willie at the bar the other night said, Hey man, you should announce on your podcast that if anyone is a patron, uh, they may have a credit card that's expired and that they should update that credit card if they want to continue to donate to the show. Because he said that it's really easy. You know, if, if a credit card gets expired, then your donations aren't going through. So uh, if you are a patron, um, make sure that your credit card is working. And thank you so much to everyone who donates. You know, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. It's immensely helpful to keep this show going, and it does add up. Um, you can just click the link below this episode to become a patron or head over to my website, kyle.surf. Um, thank you also to Santa Cruz Medicinals. They sponsor every one of these podcasts. They make potent CBD, and I use their tincture 
every single night before I go to bed. I use three drops of, of their CBD. It helps me sleep at night. It helps me with, with soreness. Um, and I just can't talk highly, can't speak highly enough about it. I use their product every single day. Um, and then when I'm feeling really saucy, I use their CBD MCT oil in my morning cup of Joe. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, so head over to Kyle, or head over to SC type in the code name Kyle 10, get 10% off. I will also link to that in the description below. My guest today is James Eldridge. James is a member of the NRA. He is a gun owner and he is a fucking awesome dude. Uh, I met him through Instagram. I posted a video of uh, one of the comedians from the Motherfucker Awards doing a parody bit about the NRA. She it was Kira Soltanovich. She pretended to be uh, someone named Dana Douche, which was a play off of the um, the uh, very angry former NRA spokeswoman named Dana Loesch. Um, and it sparked this big debate on my Instagram. And I was really impressed with um, the way that James was presenting his pro-Second Amendment arguments. Um, I felt that they were very well balanced. He was trying to get facts across. Uh, and I reached out to him and said, hey, man, I would love to have you on the show and introduce you to my audience. Um, I know that a lot of you guys are hunters, um, and a lot of you are probably not gun owners um, and and don't know much about this incendiary debate that we have going on. Um, and I felt like James um, presented it in um, in a very um, cogent way. So, um, you know, we, we may disagree about some stuff. I just tried to open it up and let him talk and, and interview him. You guys can tell me how you think I did. I'm always trying to improve. You know, this is a contentious topic. It's not just like we're, this episode was not one of those ones where we're just sitting around talking shit, smoking weed, having a few beers, um, because gun control is a big issue, uh, and people are dying and people are afraid of, you know, their guns getting taken away. So I, you know, I, I listened back to the episode and in parts it, into it felt like James and I were part of a bomb squad trying to defuse a bomb in the way that we were talking. Um, but I just, I really liked the guy, you know, at the end of the show, I just, I thought to myself like, man, I would love to hang out with this guy again and go on a hunt with him and have a barbecue. Um, and that's important to remember that even if we, do disagree with people in any capacity. Um, try and find common ground and remember that life is too short to let politics get in the way of friendships. Um, and rhetoric is what will destroy our country. Um, and our lovely president has really made... Uh, he's He's done his best to make civility a weakness, um, which I think is wrong and super dangerous. Um, and I think that podcasting is powerful because it can model healthy adult communication. Um, and we should all try and do more of that um, because that is the fascia that will keep this great world together, um, the way that we talk to each other and the way that we approach these subjects. So... I was really uh, grateful for James to come 
down to Santa Cruz and record the podcast. Um, and I really enjoyed the podcast and I learned a lot. So please give it up uh, for, oh, James is also a Hunter's Education uh, coach. Did I say that? NRA member, Hunter's Education um, coach, teacher, Hunter himself, and cool dude. So please put your hands together for my friend, James Eldridge. Um, well, I, uh, I'll, I'll start this off with how you and I initially got connected, which was through a debate on Instagram. So I posted a video of a comedian who accepted a motherfucker award on behalf of the NRA. Yeah. Um, and it was a kind of funny interview where I'm interviewing her about like how much she loves school shootings and she's, <laughs> you know, or, or just being like, you know, are we raising kids who can't take a bullet wound? You know, we don't want to raise these sissies. Let's ra- raise some stronger kids. Um, but it sparked a big debate on my Instagram. Um, and you weighed in and I was... You weighed in um, in defense of the NRA, but I was really impressed with the way that you did it. I felt like it was very civil and it was also very well informed. So then I hit you up on a message and said, "Hey, man, like, let's let's talk. This yeah. seems really interesting. Um, I am earnestly looking to uh, become more educated about this issue. Cool. So that's what led to this conversation today." Um, and I want to start this conversation off by just learning a bit more about you and your background. Okay. Um, my name's James, and born and raised in the Bay Area, California. Um, born into a family where we had guns. I grew up hunting with my dad, my grandfather, um, and because we grew up with guns, you know, they definitely were no joke. Even I wasn't even allowed to call my fake guns or my non-real guns, I wasn't allowed to call them a toy because no gun should ever be treated as a toy, even if it's non-functioning. Um, I mean, I always use the term, it's not literal, but gun safety was beaten into me as a child. Um, there was no messing around. If I pointed something at someone, it got taken away. Even like my Davy Crockett musket from Disneyland I had as a kid. Um, yeah, it's just... I was born in the gun community, I guess, and it was never a big deal. It was never, like, you know, looked at as an outsider or someone who was, I don't know, a gun nut. It's just, you know, I got my first BB gun from a Ducks Unlimited dinner when I was eight. Um, Got my first, uh, got another BB gun for Christmas when I was, like, 10, and I got my hunting license when I was nine. Dad handed down a shotgun when I was maybe 11 and it always it's funny I joke that uh my dad always said that um once I got my hunting license he would give me the combination to his gun safe <laughs> so I could access them and keys go to the hunting. car yeah um I'm now 38 almost 30 years after I got my hunting license and I still do not know the combination to the gun safe <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, by no means am I an expert on the subject, just an enthusiast. And, um, in today's climate, I just, I want, I mean, more, more importantly than anything, I think one of the biggest steps in the right direction to a possible solution is education. And 
Um, like I'd mentioned to you earlier, the media throws out whatever they want. And a lot of Second Amendment activists, gun rights activists, um, they get really emotional and they almost sound crazy. I mean, not quite Ted Nugent level, but, you know, they get there. And it's because the information they're putting out there is so just factually incorrect. And if people don't want to look past that or do their own research, then they'll take that for what they take it as. And what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a project manager at Shutterfly. Okay. So I work in the photo world. Um, Went to art school in San Francisco. Got my um, associate's degree in photography in San Diego City College. Uh, Went to art school at Academy of Art in San Francisco. Photography has been a big part of my life. And having those two worlds meet is very interesting. But I noticed that even in art school where... In San Francisco, you know, I talk to you and, you know, your understanding of everything, but I talk to my gun friends and they're just like, no way I'm going to San Francisco. There's just this stigma. And a lot of people, even in art school, were very against guns. And I remember seeing this thing the first day of school in the admissions office that said, um, if it bothers you, it's art. And (laughs) I really liked that. And it stuck with me. So I did a lot of photos and photo assignments that involved guns, and it bothered a lot of people, and they remembered it. What kind of photo assignments? Um, It was a lot of composite art. So I had um, one guy standing there in a tux, and he was just holding a bunch of different guns, and I composited them to look like he had, you know, octopus arms all holding guns. And um, there's a series I still haven't finished yet, but I want to do a series on people and their guns just to show the vast amount of different folks from different walks of life that all have guns and yeah there's over 300 million of them in circulation it's not all the caricatured version of the person you'd think exactly it's not just you know the typical redneck wearing camo yeah has a gun Um, there's a lot of people that have them do you teach gun safety uh as well or is this just um, um information that you've been up to speed on. I mean, I think that you're, you're selling yourself short as not saying that you're an expert. You are very well read on this issue. I am well read. I do look at the facts and even the stuff that I wasn't 100% sure on the specifics of before I came here, I made sure to look at non-biased information. So most of my information comes from the CDC and the FBI. Um, I'm an enthusiast. I'm well read. I, I don't like quote unquote teach gun safety, but I do offer it to the people that I find I come across in life that if they are unsure about it, if they're extremely anti-gun, I usually ask why. And it's because they don't know how to be around a gun. They feel unsafe around a gun. They're afraid of the gun. So that's when I would step in and offer like, you know, I have guns and I will teach you the safety around them, how to be safe around them. And I always um, stress that like, just because you're doing this, you don't have to join the NRA. You don't even have to go buy a gun. You still don't even have to like guns at the end of it. But the problem is, is that if there's no education, then people are afraid of something that they know nothing about. So at least like if you see one, then you know what to do when you come across one. So you're not afraid of it. Mm, right. Um, so I don't, I don't do it professionally, but I mean, even tomorrow, my uh, girlfriend's coworkers coming over and we're going to go over gun safety because she's has a general interest. And just quickly, what would that gun safety uh, lesson look like? Um, first things first, always treat every gun as if it's loaded. Um, even if someone that's handing it to you checks it and shows you that it's unloaded, 
you need to check it and you need to verify that it's unloaded for yourself. Um, basic operation of the action, opening it, make sure it stays open. Um, most of these have a very strong spring inside. If you don't open it all the way to where it locks, it could damage your finger if your finger's in the way. Um, always keep your finger off the trigger at all times, no matter what, even if it's empty, even if it's open and empty. Always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. That's the biggest thing. Um, if you haven't done the first two and you do the third, there's a lot less chance of something bad happening. Um, you never want to point a gun at anyone. I mean, I've been to plenty of shooting ranges where people just turn around and... What? How you doing? Yeah, sweep the whole crowd with their <laughs> muzzle. And it's just like, hey, everybody hits the deck. Right. Um, those are the big... Those are the three biggest things is just basic operation. Most of the guns operate all mostly the same way. Some are different how they open. Um, there's little nuances between them. But... Check to make sure it's safe. Check to make sure it's unloaded. Keep your finger off the trigger. I want to go into a brief history of the Second Amendment, which you and I are both fairly familiar with. Yeah. Um, and I want to recommend to anyone out there, there's a podcast that's great called More Perfect, and they do a history of the Second Amendment. Um, but I'm going to go through it. You can jump in if there are any points cool. that I'm missing. Yeah. Um, and then we can go from there to the state of things today. Um, and how we can work towards the best possible solution. Great. So, Second Amendment, super confusing amendment. Um, most people abbreviate it to the people's rights, right to bear arms. There's a lot of confusion around if the framers meant all people, all types of guns, or is it a well-regulated militia that deserves to have guns. There's I mean, even and who still, makes up the militia? Yes. So there's uh, even today a lot of confusion around what the amendment meant. Um, but th it was also not really a contentious argument at all uh, until the 1960s. Um, yeah, no one paid attention. No one paid to that attention to ever. it. So in uh, the late 1870s, the NRA was formed. Um, actually by a writer at the New York Times who formed it because his argument was that the Union um, soldiers in the Civil War were um, not well trained. So, th so he wanted to form um, an organization that would help young men with marksmanship. Um, and that was essentially what it was. It was like teaching Boy Scouts how to shoot straight. Yeah, um, that was way before it was... Gun ownership, or, it was just proper gun handling. Right. Um, not a very talked about amendment, not a contentious issue until the 1960s when and uh, the unlikely origin story of the Black Panthers come into play. So the Black Panthers, um, this is Huey Newton um, and, and his crew start doing armed patrols of cops. So they would go around on these night patrols following police officers in Oakland, California, with a bunch of loaded shotguns, which was... Well within the law. Well within the law. Well within the rights. And they would observe uh, the officer carrying out their duty um, at a regulated distance. You know, so there's this great moment where... Um, he, uh, Huey Newton, Newton and and his crew are uh, standing back with a bunch of shotguns and they're watching an arrest happen, happen and the the uh, 
the officer's like, what are you doing? You guys can't be here. He's like, sir, I am well within my legal right to carry this loaded weapon, and I am standing a reasonable distance back, just observing you uh, carrying out your duty, right? So this creates this firestorm of media, which culminates in the Sacramento Capitol building when a bunch of Black Panthers um, go in as a law is being debated on the floor around gun control because a lot of white people were scared of all these black people rolling around with guns. And it was Ronald Reagan that then enacts the Mulford Act, um, which makes uh, carrying a loaded weapon in California in a public space illegal. Was it just in a public space at the time or was it a government building? Uh, that the Mulford Act, uh, the Mulford Act of 1967, made it so that it was illegal to carry a loaded weapon in a public, in public okay. space. Yeah. So the the origins of of gun control and the gun control debate go back to the Black Panthers and Reagan being um, very much pro gun control. Then you have a lot of folks. In the NRA, you know, um, gun enthusiasts who become afraid that, wait, no, this is a slippery slope and maybe we're next. So that is then when, the, in, through the 1970s, the NRA begins to um, become more pro-Second Amendment, uh, which kind of continues on and on today, where now you have different states, different counties that all have different gun laws. Um, and the debate is hotter than ever now with mass shootings. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to bring up the fact um, with that gentleman from the Black Panthers when he was exercising his rights, staying well within his rights and state law, and the officer in question at the time tried shutting him down. And it's still that way. As a gun owner, even more so in today's society, but even looking back in the 60s, as a gun as a legal gun owner, it's beneficial to you to know the law better than law enforcement because granted they have a lot more on their mind. They have a bigger job to do and they can't know everything. Um, but there's plenty of times where they'll try and take advantage of that situation. And I mean, as a citizen, you need to stand up for your rights and you need to let them know that you know the law and they can't take advantage of that. And unfortunately he got taken advantage of by being shut down with his buddies. Right. So, uh, were there any parts in there that I missed or any points of the, the history of the Second Amendment that you think are important to, to point no, out? No, I think you nailed it. I mean, and okay. on that podcast, I learned a lot. I didn't know all of that history. And it's yeah. interesting that um, Reagan tried shutting it down when it was Black Panthers, but then tried bringing it back when it was not the Black yeah, Panthers. <laughs> a little lighter skin complexion. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's cool. Um, so, uh, let's talk about today and i think that this is the point where the uh, the debate can become most contentious um what are the numbers that you have for uh gun deaths in america today um so with my research um it was actually interesting on that podcast in the very end around the one hour mark uh the person that wanted to get rid of handguns in dc was saying that there were 80 to 100 thousand gun deaths a year in the u.s and right away incorrect um 
a lot of people don't like stressing on the numbers, but the numbers I think do show a lot. Roughly, I think in 2018, there were 24,000 deaths, um, uh, 28,159, and that's from the Gun Violence Archive. That's a site that started reporting on the numbers, I think, in 2006. Um, the very interesting fact is that the media will take that and say that guns kill all these people. Um, more than 60% is suicide. Um and of all suicides, I believe 50% of all suicides are from guns, which is terrible. And like I had told you in my email previously, like by no means am I standing on the gun side versus death or violence or any heinous act. Like as most gun owners can say, we want all this to stop too. Right. Um, so when you get into the, into today's society with mass shootings, um, there's no definition of a mass shooting. Some will say three or more, including the suicide of the shooter. Some will say four or more. Uh, what the FBI does is they call it an active shooter situation. Um, you can look online. Um, I couldn't find a solid number for mass shootings. It was anywhere from 24 to 340. And that's a big difference. Um, active shooter situations, it's 85. So that's less than 1% of all gun deaths in the U.S. annually. And it's still super shitty that that happens. Um, my big question to me and to a lot of people I talk to is, why is this happening? Um, throughout history, gun laws have only become increasingly stricter. And the guns have operated exactly the same. Uh, semi-automatic firearm we can get into that real quick if you want sure um a lot of people even people i talk to uh don't know the difference between semi-automatic and fully automatic semi-automatic means you pull the trigger once and one bullet comes out of the barrel fully automatic means you pull the trigger and hold it down and the gun will stop firing when it's out of ammunition um the big difference because every gun every pistol other than a revolver Every shotgun other than a pump or an over and under, every rifle other than a bolt action, they're all semi-automatic. Um, so regulating those is strange because um, it would cut down on the majority of firearms. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and fully automatic has been strictly regulated since Ronald Reagan. He uh, enacted the... It's an act regulating fully automatic weapons, basically saying that uh, as an American, you can own one. Um, it is different per state based on what they allow. You can own a fully automatic weapon. Usually takes what a lot of people refer to as a class three tax stamp. Um, it will make, if you have an AR-15 that's semi-automatic, maybe you spend 1500 bucks on it. You make that same exact AR-15 fully automatic, it's like $15,000 now. Wow. Um, you have to wait nine months for the federal government to approve your background check. Uh, with every firearm purchase, there's an instant background check in every state from a gun dealer. Um, for any, if you want a full auto firearm, it's a nine month wait. And um, then the gun is far more expensive. So what does a background check look like? So when you go to purchase a firearm... And, and the reason I ask this is because one of the major points of gun control act, a, a, advocates is 
we want common sense gun laws. Yeah. And one of those major points are stricter background checks. So, so what do, does a background check look like today? So today a background check looks like um, uh, it's all federal. There are some states where if it's a private party transfer, you don't need to do a background check. Um, that's that's what they call the gun show loophole in a lot of outlets. Right. So um, if I go to a gun show and Remington Firearms is selling their new semi-automatic weapon in a state like Montana, I could just go in and buy it. Negative. Negative. Yeah, it would be Remington would be considered a dealer. So if it's coming from a dealer to a private purchaser, such as yourself, Remington would have to conduct the background check. Got it. If we lived in a different state and I were to sell you a gun, I could sell you the gun right then and there, no background check. Got it. It's only from private party to private party. If it's through a dealer, there has to be a background check involved. Why is it called the gun show loophole? Um, because that's a place where most private party transfers would take place. Oh, so private parties will also so, be yeah, selling so guns at you a can, gun show. You can rent a booth, a space, and set up shop and sell your guns. Wow. Um, I didn't know that fully because I live in California. Um I think that could be a solution towards a step in the right direction. But with most crimes that we hear about on the news, it's with guns that were uh, usually legally purchased with a background check, which opens up a lot more questions and controversy. Do you know specifics of what a background check entails? Yes. Because so, there are different, like uh, I was reading that in Japan, they also, they have very strict gun laws in Japan. They have it to the point where they'll even ask, um, in some cases, an ex of your partner and say, hey, is, is James, does he have a history of violence? What, you know, what's the, the temperament? You know, like they take it yeah. way further than we do. And that's a slippery slope because if that ex, like, you know, if you broke up with her on bad news, <laughs> Not, she could just be like, oh, he's a, he's a raging asshole. I just and, don't want yeah. to have a gun. God damn it, Veronica. Yeah. He left me for another woman. No, I don't want him having a gun. God damn it, Veronica. I'd kill you with a gun if I could get that gun. <laughs> So today, um, in California, uh, it used to be you needed to be 18 to buy a long gun. A long gun consists of a rifle or a shotgun, um, and 21 to buy a handgun. Now it's 21 to buy any firearm. Um, California has this thing called a real ID. It's a driver's license that you've proven your residency. Your, you know, I just got mine. Yeah, I same. The DMV came to the Santa Cruz DMV because yeah. there's way way less <laughs> yeah. of a wait. Excuse me. Um, God, I have to tell everyone that. Damn. I know. Sorry. Um, so when you get a background check, you fill out the information. The form they give you is a federal form. It goes through what's called NICS, which is the National Instant Criminal System. I don't right. know. It, it, it's, it's an instant background check that's provided by the FBI. And... You'll be disqualified if you hit any of the following. If you've ever been convicted of a crime punishable by more than one year in prison, any violent offense, uh, possible temporary bans for misdemeanors, misdemeanors related to assault, intimidation, stalking, domestic violence, or firearms can lead to a temporary per or permanent ban, currently under a restraining order or protective order, currently a ward of, of the juvenile court due to certain offenses, mentally incompetent or mentally ill according to a court addicted to narcotics or under conservationship due to alcoholism dishonorably discharged from the military 
or reported by a psychotherapist for threats against another person. So if you fall under any of those, you will be unable to purchase a firearm in any state? Correct. Correct. Okay. From a dealer. Um, in California, you, would, you wouldn't be able to purchase a firearm at all. Um, but because of what we discussed about uh, private party transfers... You can still you, do that. Yeah. So I think... So do you, how do you feel about current gun laws? So current gun, I, I can really only speak to California because that's all I've known. It's sure. where I've lived my whole life. Yep. Um, they're one of the Supreme Court justice judges. I don't remember his name. He tried passing a law a while ago, but as you know that any law in the court system, if someone doesn't like it, they can repeal it. And it just it hangs in limbo forever and they spend a ton of money and waste a ton of time on it. But what he had suggested was that um, in California, we have a 10-day wait for every firearm purchased. And a lot of people are mistaken thinking that that's for the background check to take place. Like I said earlier, the background check is instant. Um, We have the 10-day wait because there was a shooting in San Bernardino, I believe, at a Bank of America a long time ago where these kids bought these AK-47s and they, two kids, outgunned the cops. And it was insane. You can see it on YouTube. I think there's a documentary on it. Um, but the 10-day wait was put in place so you don't commit a crime of passion, which I agree with. There's a good moment in The Simpsons when Homer's trying to buy a gun, and they're like, well, that'll be 10 days. He's like, 10 days, but I'm mad now. <laughs> I have not seen that one. I probably have, but I just forgot it. I love The Simpsons. Um, so what this uh, Supreme Court judge had a lot alluded to was that if it's your first firearm, you have to wait because then you there's no even question about committing a crime of passion. It's a good waiting period. But if it's not your first firearm, then why would you have to wait? This is my question. Why would you have to wait 10 days so you don't commit a crime of passion? The logic behind that is that why would you go buy a new gun to commit a crime if you already have one or two or whatever at home? Okay. Um, so I I agree with that. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people just want their guns now, like right now. And that's more of the radical leaning side of the topic. But I mean, like we're doing now, we got to meet in the middle. There has to be some compromise. So if you have your first gun and you want to go buy another one, you don't have to wait. And I'm cool with that as long as so everything the, fits. So the numbers remind me the numbers that you came across of of total deaths by gun guns in the United States today. Uh, just above twenty eight thousand. So twenty eight thousand. Can we both agree that that's too high? Yeah. Okay. That's way too high. Okay, we're in agreement <laughs> on that. Um, what can be done to, like the 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 analogy I'd make is like if I were I love surfing. It's a hobby of mine. Um, it's you know big part of my lifestyle if surfboards were killing 28,000 people a year surfers and non-surfers alike that onus should be on me to figure out how to make surfboards safer to kill less people okay the problem that i have with um today's debate and people who are gung-ho on gun rights is that i'm not seeing a lot of solutions being put forward by that side which I would hope to see more of because people who are 
terrified of letting their kids go to public schools now because they're afraid that they're going to get shot are trying yeah, to come up with solutions. They have active shooter drills instead of earthquake it's drills now, up. which is It's insane. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, we, it used to be that kids got under desks because they were scared of the you know bombs coming over, and now they're hiding in closets because they're afraid of an active shooter. Yeah. So we have now a lot of people who are, they want to come up with a solution, but then people who are pro-gun rights are just saying, no, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. So I'm wondering, what are some solutions that you think could make America a safer place? That's a difficult question. Um, And I don't even fully have an answer. I think conversation needs to happen. Uh, One of the biggest steps in the right direction is education. When I was growing up, gun education wasn't like a crazy thing. It was like, okay, cool. You're going to do something like you're going to learn how to drive a car. You should be educated on driving a car. You're going to, I mean, anything you do in life, you should be remotely educated on the topic. Yeah. We have a DMV where we have smog checks. We have driver safety. Um, I mean, registering the guns. I don't mind. A lot of people don't want it at all, which I mean, I think is crazy, but they think that the government's going to try and tell you how many guns you can own. And there are countries that tell you how many guns you can own. Um, earlier, early last year, uh, London surpassed New York with homicides and London has some of the strictest gun laws in Europe. Hmm. Um, and it's, it, those homicides were from knives and now they're trying to do a knife ban. And I think that just like for a full ban, I think is the other side of the argument. That's crazy. And for zero gun control is the other side of the argument. That's crazy. So that just shows you like, I mean, violence exists. Unfortunately, it's a way of life. Like I wish we could all just, have a beer and get along. Um, but with London saying we're banning guns and they did. And now their crime rate is back again and it's from knives. So now they're going to ban knives. Like you can keep banning the tool, but it's not going to stop the person. And that's ultimately what it is. And I know people are tired of hearing, hearing the argument, but guns don't kill people. People kill people. It doesn't matter what the tool is. Um, an argument that I hear from, uh, the pro second amendment side a lot is that it's not a gun issue. It's a mental health issue. Yeah, I agree. Right. Um, so I did some research on that and between 1999, and 2014, uh, antidepressant drug usage went up 65%. And then between 2014 and 2018, antidepressant usage went up 60%. Um, so that, I mean, that may not be the direct leading cause. The CDC has nothing to show saying that like, it makes you do crazy things. It's just that the crazy thoughts are there. Maybe people aren't taking the drugs when they should be. Um, but it is something we should look at. And I mean, I know that there were a few mental health facilities here in the Bay area and like everything got shut down and we want to do the next best thing, but we need to take care of the issue. And I think taking care of the mentally ill, taking care of the homeless problem. Um, also with, like I mentioned earlier that, the guns haven't changed. Um, they look different. Um, one of the arguments I made to you, you had asked me uh, what should be the regulation on someone purchasing an AK-47. And my response was, why should it be different when the functionality of the gun hasn't changed since 1883 when the semi-automatic rifle was invented? So it looks different. And people like the AK-47 because of how it operates. It operates a little bit differently just because it keeps it cleaner inside. 
Um, but overall, it's the same as, you know, the M1 Grand from Saving Private Ryan. It operates the same way. So... So I just don't want to skip over the mental health yeah, so, section so the mental because health thing. Because, oh. uh, because here's here's where uh, issues start to get mixed. You know, you yeah. have someone like Bernie Sanders that is pushing for Medicare for all, which would include therapy under Medicare for all. So you have people who are pro two A saying, "Yeah, we need this is a mental health crisis," but then I don't see a lot of them getting behind uh, an issue like Medicare for all, which could provide some of this mental health stability um i don't know a bunch on that but i think that's great we need to we need to take care of the people and um back to what i was saying i digressed a little bit back to what i was saying about the guns haven't changed in you know over 100 years but the issues have and the access to them has only gotten stricter since access was available so and the issues have still increased um another interesting thing is that this all kind of started I think Columbine was 2001. Um, Social media was 1999. And it's increased since the, since the oncoming of social media. And I don't know if that's a direct correlation, if it's a coincidence, but I mean, there's cyberbullying now there's kids committing suicide over comments on Facebook and Instagram, which is horrible, Mm -hmm. but we can't get rid of social media. Um, I'm just saying that could be, a causation as far as fixing it. Um, yeah, therapy would maybe be great. People talking, maybe people not being assholes right. on the internet. Uh, you and I are both uh, hunters. Correct. And you were uh, mentioning to me issues around ammunition bans and gun bans and the impact that that can have on conservation. Correct. Um, can you uh, elucidate further? So... There's an excise tax built into anything, any hunting gear, whether it be camo, guns, ammo, bows, arrows. Uh, it's called the Pittman-Roberts Act, and that is, um, it's responsible. There, it's the biggest money-producing conservation effort the U.S. has. Um, PETA doesn't even come close. Um, nothing does. They, it's. I believe it's responsible for eight hundred billion dollars a year. Um, most of that comes from hunting licenses and tags, ammo. So if there's all these gun sales every year, um, and it's not just hunters that put into that, um, it's actually hunters are probably the least that put into that. Cause when I go hunting, I mean, sometimes I don't even fire a shot. So I'll have a box of 20 rounds that last me a couple years, depending on what I'm hunting. Um, but it's the guys that go to the gun range and shoot. Um, it's competent competition shooters, um, just general enthusiasts, but getting rid of guns, there will be an impact because there's no state agency and there's no federal tax or state tax that puts that money back into wildlife management, back into species management. And the only thing for game wardens, um, I even know out here in Santa Cruz mountains, there's been mountain lion issues in downtown Santa Rosa. There's mountain lion issues. The person that comes out to take care of that issue is a game warden. The game warden gets their paycheck from gun license sales. That's it. Not from the state. Not from the feds. Um, now, the money is divided up. Gun license sales. Gun, yeah, gun license sales. So, so when you, No, no, not gun license sales. Hunting license sales. Hunting license sales. Yeah, so when you buy a hunting license, 
That's like going and buying a pig tag yep. for 25 bucks. Exactly. Part of that goes to it game wardens. It pays for all the game wardens to come out. And so if, so let's say your neighbor has an issue with the mountain lion, he doesn't have a hunting license, the game warden still comes out to help him with that issue. And so they help everybody, even though less than 4% of the population pays for it. Mm. Um, so banning this stuff, like... Um, one issue or in Oregon, they tried passing a law or it was talked about that you could only buy 20 rounds of ammo per month. Some boxes are 20 rounds. Shotgun shells come in 25 round boxes. So no one's going to go bird hunting in Oregon. You're going to have a lot of birds. It's going to have a negative effect on the environment. And a lot of these issues, no one thinks big picture. They just think right now Hmm. votes clickbait. I want to, um, circle back to gun violence, but just one more point on this as we're on the hunting scheme of things. Do you have any opinion on the recent California laws um, around banning lead bullets compared to steel bullets? Um, I have had two opinions, and I was uninformed and was against it, thinking that California wanted to make it harder to hunt and more expensive to hunt and ultimately eliminate hunting. Um, but I've done a lot of research and there's been a lot of studies. The Department of Fish and Game um, did a case study where they went out and they got their own tags and they hunted deer and they shot them with uh, lead core bullets and they were finding tons of lead fragments all throughout the gut piles. And the reason um, in California we have the A zone for deer, it's known as the California condor zone, uh, that was the first zone to ban lead. Because California condor is a scavenger. When you hunt with deer, when you hunt deer, and you leave the gut pile in the woods, California condor would eat it, and they were all dying from lead poisoning. And it's because so much of that lead bullet fragments inside the animal, and we can't see it without an X-ray. But um, these animals are dying, and so and then it gets into us too. Gets into us. Um, I mean it. It travels and it stays. It's just like um, the poisoning of animals. You know, you'll poison that one and then you'll poison the next three that eat it down the line. Um, so now I'm full advocate for non-lead. Um, I think so it's I didn't know that A-Zone was created because of the California condor. Yeah, A-Zone, it's huge. It's the biggest zone California has for deer hunting. And, and where does that go from? Oh, gee, I'd have to get my phone and pull out okay. Onyx Maps to show you, but yeah. um, it's huge, man. It goes... Shout out to Onyx yeah. Maps. Feel free to send me some love. Um, <laughs> no, but it's um, most of the southwest of California. I mean, it it goes all the way to Livermore. I don't know how far east it goes, probably to Central Valley, and then down pretty far. It, it's huge. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that it was created from the California condor. There was a really well-known book uh, called Silent Spring. Have you heard of that book? No, I haven't. It was, uh, came out in, I believe, the 1970s, and it was um, about the death of the California condors and the near extinction because of the DDT that we were spraying on crops. It was making mm. the condors' eggs too soft, oh. and it j- nearly wiped out their population. That was um, the beginning of a lot of environmental law that came into California. Yeah, and it's different. Like I have a whole new perspective on it after reading these articles and scientific studies on the topic, and then while hunting, I've seen a California condor, and they are magical... Gorgeous 
dinosaurs. Yeah. Like they're huge. We should keep them around. <laughs> yeah, totally. Bring them back. Um, I want to go back now to gun violence, and specifically, um, I want to take a look at the NRA today, because this was kind of where our contention um, sprung from, that we, this year, in the, the fire category, we gave the NRA the Should motherfucker award. We gave it to pg We gave it to pg e last year. Oh, oh, you gotta ah, go back I to year done more one. Research on you, all right, oh, dude. Yeah, cool. you gotta you gotta go back. Yeah, PG and E. They can't win two years in a row. They can't win two years in a row. Okay. That was uh, maybe for a third year. We'll we'll bring them back if uh, they keep going strong. They fucked over a lot of people, big time. Oh yeah, we had um, <clears throat> we had a comedian named Leo Flowers go up on behalf of of PG and E. He's like, man, we're bringing Burning Man to you. <laughs> he's like, he had the most fucked up bit about how he's like. We at PG&E, we believe in community. What better way to bring people, get people out of their houses and together than a wildfire? I need to attend one of these you events. You gotta check it out. Yeah, it's it was dark. Um, but this year, um, we nominated the NRA, um, and one of the the presenter of the category was um, the Navy SEAL and war correspondent named Kaj Larson. And the critique that we pointed out um, with the NRA and the overall theme that we we're trying to uh, make clear in the motherfucker awards this year was the relationship between politicians, lobbying groups and corporations. Um, and the NRA, as we mentioned bef- before, it started off as uh, gun safety and marksman uh, marksmanship organization, which now has turned into this highly politicized powder keg of an organization that donated $55 million to President Trump in 2016. They have corporate sponsors. They were, they've, between uh, 2005 and today, uh, gun manufacturers have given the NRA $60 million. Um, they are very powerful in their lobbying efforts and the threats that they make to politicians who are considering any kind of gun safety laws. So, what kind of threats? Um, they'll just say we'll we'll sink you with ads. Uh, oh, you know, they they say you know we'll we'll take you down with ads if you decide to. So so it's it's a start bullying. They they bully. Yeah. yeah. They they don't even need to put money into politicians now to support them. They can just go in and bully. Yeah, that's interesting because the fact I found is that they're not even in the top fifty for financial lobbying efforts. Uh, I don't know the the top fifty. I know that it's it is significant enough that it impacts they policy. They, yeah. yeah, they have a huge base and they impact policy, and they are well funded by fire, firearms manufacturers. So I think that whether or not you're on the left or the right, up down side to side, the issue of today that that we as American people need to understand more clearly is the influence between lobbying groups, corporations that fund them, and policies that then um, further industry over American people. So that was the way that I was trying to critique the NRA. It was obviously the most highly politicized issue that we took on this this year. I don't doubt that at all. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> it was, <laughs> we, we uh, yeah, I mean, most, m- most of the other issues that we were covering were environmental issues. And I'm learning a lot during this conversation. And, you know, in a comedy show, you can't yeah. go into an hour-long podcast about it. But um, I do appreciate that you're making it fun. 
Yeah. Even though it's hard to make fun of. Yeah, he got he, trying to bring some levity to yeah. school shootings is hard, but <laughs> but that's my issue with with the NRA. It's it's that it's become highly politicized. They have um, spokespeople like Dana Loesch that use communication strategies to further polarize and radicalize their base rather than doing what I think you and I are doing right now, which is just to try and have an honest conversation about where we can go. So I I do think that the NRA is culpable for those reasons. And I think that they have disingenuous, they've made front and center disingenuous arguments about uh, a tyrannical government when really um, their motivation comes from um, making their gun manufacturers happy to ensure that just those gun sales won't go down. G- so so that's- you, don't, you don't see, even in our generation or maybe the future generations of a tyrannical government even happening? Well, we can go. Let's, let's, like- let's go into this. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm totally happy to, yeah. di- to dive in, but I, but I want to get your perspective on what the NRA is today, um, what your what your perspective is. Uh, and are you an NRA member? I am. You are? Yeah. Okay, so so I'm not. So you could probably give me, um, so you could probably educate me about your experience with the NRA. Maybe, uh, maybe it's that's, pretty minimal. That's the best. Um, I've been to some dinners. Um, mainly, I'm an NRA member for the gun insurance. It's hard to get gun insurance. Um, and... Like I said earlier when we discussed the uh, beginnings of the Second Amendment movement with the Black Panthers, you have to know the law better than the law knows it. And so if something happens, the NRA has a team of lawyers. Um, I'm not sure how much more it costs to have them on your side, but they will help you out um, because they know it's an issue that people can be taken advantage of easily. Um, But it's... Other than that, I don't know much about it. I know that uh, when they chime in, it's usually, I don't think, an opportune time to chime in, but they do because they feel like they're going to get attacked. So they, I mean, like um, like the Michael Bay, sorry, uh, the Michael Bay movie um, or a documentary when they were like, showing up in towns when there was a school shooting right right out like i mean that was in columbine yeah right right and just after the school shooting they come and they say we have a right to be here yeah and it's like i mean yeah me me being and i have a right to call you an asshole yeah totally um but me being the level-headed guy that i am it's like i want to say hey guys like you know maybe not now uh maybe not here um but then at the same time i believe that they just know what's coming when something crazy like that happens is that people are going to be like, we need to ban guns and they're maybe getting ahead of the game, but it's a slippery slope. And, um, as an NRA member, I don't feel like we have the best spokespeople for the NRA. Um, it's, I mean, even just today, society, you could do this on any topic and everyone's just far too radical, far too polarized. And I mean, the fact that they, they're bullies in the political environment. I mean, I understand that they want to keep guns and like keep guns where they are, but there has to be a different approach. Right. Um, the way that they go about it now, I mean, Ted Nugent's on the board. He's great. He, his rhetoric is a little crazy for me. Um, his approach to it, he sounds crazy. He's just like wild and off the wall. Um, I don't think he's the best. Like people see him and they're like, Oh, just some 
crazy Texan with a bunch of guns that just wants more. And we just need, I, like, we need to do what you and I are doing. We right. need to have an adult conversation, um, bring facts to the table, not get too hyped up, not get too crazy, but hopefully start the road towards the solution. Right. You, you brought up uh, earlier in the conversation the a car analogy, which I think is good, which is um, it's well-regulated. I know we where you're going. DMV smog checks, as well as incentives to make it safer always, right? So there was the cash for clunkers uh, program where there was incentive where you would get cash to bring in your gas guzzler. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there... Um, do you think that a common sense gun law could be incentives to um, return certain kinds of guns or incentives? Or, or let's say maybe maybe this would be a better one: incentive to prove that your gun is safely locked away. Uh, when you purchase a firearm, I believe in every state from a dealer, you have to sign an affidavit saying that you have a gun lock or a gun safe. Hmm. Okay. But if that's enforced, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I mean. To be honest, a lot of these gun laws, a lot of people think that making more is ridiculous because... No one's following them right now. A lot of them aren't enforced. Right. Um, In the United States, regardless of what state you live in, if you have a felony on your record, you cannot have a gun ever again. You can't have one in your house. You can't travel with one. Like, if I were to go hunting and I had a gun in the car and you had a felony, you wouldn't be allowed to be in the car. Or the gun wouldn't be allowed to be in the car, regardless of who owns it. Um, problem is a lot of gun crimes that happen, happen with felons. Um, there was a couple years ago, there was a guy from the air force who shot his wife. Uh, he was dishonorably discharged from the air force and the air force did not file the paperwork and he legally bought a gun. Hmm. If the air force properly filed that paperwork, he would not have been able to legally purchase a firearm. Was I going where you thought I was going? Or did, well, uh, you're like, I know where you're going with this. Well, a lot of people think that with the car analogy, they say, like, you should have to have insurance. You should have to um, register it every year, um, similar to a vehicle. So, Do you think that that is unreasonable? Um, it depends. I mean, the, the, the thing is, the whole reason for having guns in the country coming, like, just from when we got here as, you know, as we escaped Britain, it was for protection from a tyrannical government. It's for protection, period, I believe. And you can't say, like, oh, you have to pay registration on everything every year. Because, like, what about those less fortunate people? They should still be able to have equal rights to protection. If they can afford the gun, great. If they can stay on top of, like, legally owning it, legally locking it up, being responsible with it, awesome. But if, you know, they don't have time or they don't have the money to keep registering this thing all the time, then like, I don't know how to really put it in words, but it's coming down to an issue to where everyone should have the same equal right to protection. And so it's, I mean, it's tough. It's like this, any question that pops up with this is tough because it's like, where is the line drawn? Like, should we draw a line? And then, yeah, I just wonder if you could make that same analogy with hunting, which is highly regulated. Every year, you yeah. have to get a new pig tag, and there's you know, even if you don't hunt the pig, you got to sign in. Hey, I did not uh, didn't uh, harvest cheat, one. Didn't yeah. harvest one this year. You know, that's highly regulated. So you could make the argument: well, there are less har- less fortunate people that can't pay for that kind of stuff. But that's also so, wildlife management, right? 
Hmm. And the Second Amendment wasn't written for hunting. A lot of people make that argument too. Right. So the sec- we can we can dive into uh, you know the Arkansas militia versus SEAL Team Six and <laughs> see if we earnestly think that the U.S. Uh, population is going to be able to fight off the most powerful military in the history of the world. Um, I personally don't think so. Uh, so but I'm oh, but I'm open to hearing your. So that's good that you this. say that because a lot of people like in that uh, Radiolab podcast we both listened to, one of the arguments the host of the podcast said that this law was written back when it was just muskets. And a lot of people make that argument and it just sounds ignorant because, yes, it was written back when there were muskets, but the government had muskets. So the point of the Second Amendment is to give a right to the people to be able to have the right to bear arms against a tyrannical government. So right now, the people are underarmed. Our government has super cool shit that we'll never have. So everyone's like, oh, you know, it just needs to be muskets for the people. But it's like, but we live in an age where we have... But do you think that that you should be able to own a predator drone and a tank? Where no, is that? no, 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 no. That's, okay. that's not what I'm saying at okay. all. I'm just saying that to make the argument of the Second Amendment was written when it was muskets, that right. we should only have muskets to protect ourselves. No, I don't think that that's... Uh, I think that's... Uh, I think it's a stupid argument. Same. Um, but I think that also today... <laughs> tyrannical corporations are a bigger issue than a tyrannical government. When we look at um, the extraction of our resources right now, it's corporations yep. that are making this happen, health issues in the United States. So at what point are people going to, if, if, if there's the argument that you want to take up um, arms against tyranny, right now you have corporate, corporate tyranny. You know, I'm not seeing that argument being made often, but I also don't think that I think that it's rare that violence is the solution to anything. Correct. I I mean, we really as humans have two modes. We have this communication and then we have violence. So as much as our species on this spinning ball hurling through space can use the latter of our resources, I think the better. Correct. Um, do you, I'm okay. So do you feel like we rounded out? I, I, I guess the, the whole tyrannical government conversation is difficult for me because it's a what if yeah. conversation. It's not looking at and it's t- always, today. It's right? always been a what if conversation, right. but today more than ever, we're becoming more polarized than ever. Yes. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts in that argument, but um, one of the biggest things, if you want to control a population, you divide and you conquer. Right now we're being divided a lot. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's by choice for some people, but it's also just by how everything's being delivered. And if you unarm the government or the people and then divide and conquer, it's going to be a lot easier. And it, I mean, it's all what if, it's all speculative, right. but you know, I don't put anything past our government. Yeah, but as yeah, I mean, we don't even know who shot Kennedy. We don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we can again. That's all speculation. So yeah. I want to stick now to that there are over three hundred million guns in circulation in the mm-hmm. U.S. 
Um, there are, you know, school shootings. There mm-hmm. are uh, a lot of cops getting shot. There are the gun violence is a big thing. Um, how do we solve that? It's a great question. Fucking hey, man. Wish I had an answer for you. Um, um, the interesting thing um, that comes up a lot is that the majority of these gun crimes, school shootings, mass shootings, active shooter shootings, or active shooter situations, as the FBI defines them, um, they happen in what are known as gun-free zones. Um, I'm not saying that teachers should have guns. Um, That's a real sticky topic. I don't even know if I want to get into. Um, But something needs to happen because if you think like a criminal would think, which is hard for us to do because we're not criminals. At least I hope you're not. Um, a gun-free zone is a zone where you can go do what you want to do and you're not going to have any opposition. Um, and then the, I mean, the Sutherland shooting in Texas, which got no media attention. Uh, dude shot 26 people. I believe he killed 26 people and injured 20 others. And a dude that lived down the street ran with his AR-15 and stopped it. So that church, um, I mean, in Texas, I doubt it was a gun-free zone, but... Right, you know, so, it, th- so it, this is a bad guy with a gun, the only thing they can stopped. stop by with a good guy with a gun. Correct. So uh, I think that this is... That's an interesting story. Um, and, yeah, do you think that that is a, a genuine argument? Yeah, I mean, the only way to stop them is to stop them. I mean, you can't just go, like, talk to them because obviously right. <laughs> they're not in a rational state, so they're right. not going to be a rational person. Um, another fact that no one really looks at or another fact that doesn't get attention is that the CDC has said that every year anywhere from 500,000 to 3 million lives are saved with uh, defensive use of a firearm. That's not even pulling the trigger. That's just pulling out the gun. Hmm. So, what would the situation like that look like? Um, two dudes walk up to you down the street, want to mug you and take your money, hold a gun to you. You pull out a gun saying that you're going to stand your ground. They run away. An argument that is made on the gun control side is that guns, uh, you're more likely to injure yourself if you own a gun or, or you're more likely to injure yourself or others. If, what is it? Do, do you know that argument? Yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're getting at. I don't know the exact verbiage right. of it, but education. Right. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. It's, you know, a couple hours, someone talking to you saying, do this, don't do that. And then practice. Um, do you practice uh, marksmanship often? Yes. Um, I have become less of a range shooter. I love going to the range. I love shooting more shotgun sports than anything just because you're shooting a moving target. It's fun. Um, rifle and pistol, I like accuracy. Um, I'm hoping to get into like long range shooting, so 500,000 yard shooting just for testing my skills, testing my abilities, and making a, you know, approaching a new challenge with a level head and seeing what I can do. It's just something that I like to do. Mm. I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we did pretty well. Me too. How we do? I mean, I'm digging it, man. Okay. I I hope we can do better. I hope the world can do better because I think what we're doing is what needs to happen to start. And 
I think the problem is a lot of people are looking for a solution. I think we just need to start going towards the solution instead of looking at the solution. Does that make sense? Sort of. We need to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, we need to have a conversation. You got to start the race I, before you finish the race. Yeah, and I appreciate you uh, elucidating what the current laws are today because I think that broad stroke um, advocacy for something like stricter gun laws without understanding what the current laws are um, is is irresponsible. So yeah. I'm I really appreciate you. Um, making clear uh what what the state of things is today yeah um and hopefully that can move us more closely towards a a solution um i think that'd be great yeah i hope your fans got something from it too or your I, listeners yeah you know i was at um i was uh just did a workout before this podcast and the guy that was running the the workout is uh, a cop and i asked am i said hey i'm going to this podcast do you have any thoughts on this and he said you know um yeah i was a special forces officer for a long time. And one thing that's interesting is that in Mexico, it's illegal to buy a gun. They have stricter gun laws than almost anywhere in the world. Gun violence is almost higher than anywhere in the world. So he said, I think that it's more of an economic issue than a gun ownership issue, which was a, another an interesting way to look at it. It was an interesting way. Uh, Cause uh, even with um, versus like gun ownership, yeah. I think us takes the cake. We have a ton of guns, yeah. but if you lump U.S. into Europe for gun violence, we're number twelve. Norway's number one. Norway. Norway's number one for gun for gun deaths per hundred thousand. Right. Oh boy, machines that kill people. Yeah. Sure do make people uh, nervous, but I I think we did pretty well. Um, is do you want to have a spot where people can get in touch with you to learn more, or would you rather remain uh, anonymous? Um, I'll go ahead and remain anonymous okay. on this topic, but um, I love talking about it and I love informing people. I mean, the best thing people can have is correct information and education's big. There's a lot of avenues to get out there. If you're interested, you can take classes. The NRA actually puts on a ton of classes. Motherfucker. <laughs> The NRA educates. The NRA educates, and G- and tell me, I, tell me about those classes. Um, I mean, they do everything. There's, I've actually been looking into becoming an NRA certified instructor just because I like doing this so much. Um, there's everything from basic pistol shooting, basic shotgun, basic rifle to self defense. Um, keynote: A lot of people think self defense. They should go out and buy a rifle or a handgun. Buy a shotgun. If you if you miss with a rifle or handgun, you could kill your neighbor. And you're responsible for it, but a shotgun, if you miss, it'll just kind of fall out the other side of the wall instead of go through the wall. Because shotguns don't go with the same projection. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, not as much force behind one object. Well, they also shoot out. Yeah, mi- it's a spread. Mi- many yeah. uh, projectiles. James, thank you so much for thank coming you, on. Thank you, Kyle. Man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. you coming on. This was great. I hope someone got something out of this. Yeah. And I hope we can all just get along one day. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> Thanks, James. Thank you. That's the show. I'm going to play y'all with a song called The Rain by West of Mall Bay. And I will link to their Spotify page in the show notes below. If you have some tunes that you want played at the end of this podcast, email it to info at kyle.surf. 
You can also head over to kyle.surf or just click the link below this episode to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I will send short stories, um, updates, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, Just once a week to your inbox, head over to kyle.surf. Thank you to everyone who donates to this show on Patreon. I rely on people like you. I really do rely on the donations. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, You can click the link below if you can support it. If not, uh, just keep listening and give it a rating on iTunes. That helps hugely because I think this show has like five stars on iTunes and a few hundred of you have all done it. But the more ratings I get, the more good ratings this show gets. Um, It's a way for podcast perspective podcast guests to vet this show and then when they realize oh whoa this is this show actually has people that listen and they like it they're more willing to give me their time which in turn allows me to give you their time uh so give a quick rating on itunes that helps a ton you just do it on your phone it takes 30 seconds Thank you, as always, to Santa Cruz Medicinals for sponsoring all these podcasts. Head over to scmedicinals.com, click on the the name, code name, Kyle10, get 10% off all potent CBD products. Love you guys. Have a great day. Got a bunch of radical podcasts coming for you in the weeks ahead, so stay tuned. And until then, keep your eye on those squirrels. Shit's